listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Seven Years in Denver by Lola Be Good on Gossamer. Dana Scully felt the mattress next to her shift. Mom! he yelled loudly into her ear as his one good arm wrapped around her neck. Hey, Will, she said groggily as she smiled at him. See my cast? he asked as he swung his arm close to her face, almost banging her in the nose. Yeah, yeah, I see it, she said as she kept his arm from smacking her. How's it feel? she asked as she looked at the plaster carefully. Heavy, he admitted. Yeah, I guess it would. She smiled at him and caressed his cheek. You were a very brave boy. It was nothing, he said with a smirk. Her breath caught in her throat. In that moment, he was just like Mulder. The look on his face, the cadence of his voice, the glimmer in his eyes. Mom, are you okay? Will asked, concerned. Yeah, she smiled at him reassuringly. It's just that you looked just like him then. Dad? he asked, used to her saying things like this every once in a while over the years. Yeah, she said softly. Silence fell between the pair. Walt hasn't been by, Will said, changing the subject and trying to pull his mother out of her sadness. I thought he'd be at the hospital for sure. He was... he was in Denver with me, she said softly, as she lay back on Will's pillow and stared at the ceiling. He's still there, actually. You didn't say he was going to the conference, too, Will said, lying back on his pillow as well, his head touching hers. Yeah, well, she stumbled over any kind of explanation. He missed you, Will said softly. Yeah, well, she said with a sigh, he missed me. So you're back now? he asked. Uh, no, she said sadly. I just came here to check on you, and then I have to head back to Colorado in a couple of days. Oh, he said sadly. Do you ever think about him? Your father? You've told me about him a lot, Will said, his face not turning. I've seen pictures of him. But do you wish... Mom, I don't know. I found him, she said softly, surprised the words had even passed her lips. Him? Will asked, seeking clarification he didn't really need. Your dad, Dana said as she turned on her side to look at her son more closely. He just appeared? Mom, I don't get... He had his memory taken, she explained, as she watched her son's facial expressions carefully. He didn't know about his past at all. He's been... He's been living in Colorado this whole time. Since he went missing? Will asked, his eyes wide with this new knowledge. A few months after that, but... Yes she said, with a smile escaping her lips. But he doesn't remember us? Will asked. He doesn't even know about you, she said, as she pushed some hair off his forehead. He went missing while I was pregnant, remember? Yeah, Will said as he rolled away from her touch, slightly. Do you... do you want to meet him? Dana asked tentatively. He doesn't even know about me, Will said with a shrug. I plan on telling him when I get back there, Dana admitted. 
Will thought about what she said for a bit. Are you still marrying Walt? He asked, his voice heavy with worry. Yes, she said, as she patted his head. Finding your father doesn't change that. She saw relief pass over his features. Walter Skinner was the only father Will had ever known. The idea that this new man was going to screw his family up frightened him, regardless of whether he was his biological father or not. Do you want me to meet him? Will asked. I want you to do what you feel is right, she said. If you don't want to see him, then you won't. And if you do, then you will. Maybe you're too young now, and in... I want to meet him, Will blurted out. You do? She asked, not convinced. He's my dad, right? Will asked. I guess I should meet him. Okay, she said with a nod. I'll see if he and Amy want to come to D.C. Who's Amy? Will asked. She's... she's the woman he lives with. He's lived with her for the last six years. She's really very nice. Will couldn't help the smile that formed across his face. If his father had someone in his life, he was less likely to screw up Will's family. They have kids? Will asked, interested in any possible siblings. No. Scully nodded her head in the negative. She... She was in a bad car accident ten years ago, and she lost her baby and her husband. I think with the trauma, I think she decided to not have kids. Oh, he said, saddened by the story of this lady he didn't even know. But she and your father are very happy together, Scully tried to reassure her son. They have a house in a pretty little town. They go on nice vacations. He's a very talented artist. They have a fishing cabin in the woods. They... they're very happy. It sounds nice, Will said happily. But he still doesn't know you? I think he knows a little bit, she explained. His memories are coming back to him slowly. And that's why Walt's out there while you're here? Will asked. Yeah, he's... he's helping your dad understand the life he forgot, Dana explained. Will lay next to his mom and mulled over the information she had just shared. He had woken up to a whole new world today one that seemed a lot more complicated than the one he lived in yesterday. Mom? Will asked a few minutes later. Yeah? She answered. I don't know if I should say this now, but I wanted to talk to you about... about something, and... You can say anything to me, Will. Anything, she said definitively. I was going to ask you and Walt if... He stopped talking, suddenly shy, it seemed. What, honey? she asked, raising her head up off the pillow to look at him more fully. Concern filled her voice. I thought I could call him Dad after after you get married, Will said softly, not meeting her gaze. Dana's eyes filled with tears in an instant. Will loved Walter to no end, and he'd obviously been thinking about this for quite some time. I think he would love that, she said, her words choking out of her throat. I think he would really love that. You think? Will asked her, unsure. Yeah, she said, as she gave him a big hug. This is... rustic, Langley said, after they had arrived at the cabin. I bought it a few years ago off a guy I was... Leo started to say. Worked with. Lewis Hansen, who inherited it from his grandfather and was just looking to unload it. Buyers finished for him. You guys know how many squares of toilet paper I used this morning, too? 
Leo asked sarcastically. All four men looked at him, stunned into silence. What? Leo asked, slightly embarrassed by what he had just said to them. You... you sounded just like... Forwicky stammered. Well, just like you. Leo swallowed hard. He was feeling less and less like himself and more like Mulder this last day, and it was very unnerving. For a second, he wondered if his plan to stay here with these people and without Amy was smart after all. He had an intense desire to find out about his other life, but he also saw how all of this information was hurting her. Last night, he convinced her that he should do this on his own and then share it with her after he had a chance to process it all. She had been worried about him because of his nausea and headaches, but he reassured her he was in good hands with a deputy director of the FBI. She asked if Agent Scully would be there, and he explained that she was in Washington. I take it you don't have Wi-Fi? Langley asked as he looked around the sparsely adorned cabin. I just bought the TV and DVD player last year because Amy refused to come up otherwise, Leo explained with a chuckle. It's usually just me, the fish, and the bears. Bears? Frohicki asked, nervous. Yeah, but they haven't learned how to turn the handle yet, so you're pretty safe, Leo chuckled. It's a good thing we have all the files in paper form, Byer said, as he put his bag down. You said on the phone you're remembering more, Walter said, as he looked intently at Leo. I remember a lot more, Leo said, as he took a seat in the worn chair and gestured for them to sit as well. It's not just flashes anymore. Although they still happen, it's dreams and feelings. Feelings like... Byers asked. Well, I not only remember my sister being kidnapped, but the helplessness that went along with that. I remember Scully shooting me, and the feeling that all air escaped my lungs. Leo looked right at Walter. I remember being able to hear your thoughts when I was in the hospital, and I knew. I knew that you had betrayed us. All eyes turned to look at Walter Skinner. Leo's memory was not his finest moment. That's true. I was compromised, but... But you still tried to help me, Leo said clearly. You had other alliances for a while. I... I didn't tell Scully. I did, Walter said, as he shifted his feet. She needed to know before. Both men looked at each other, and the air in the room seemed to suddenly have a lot of weight to it. They both loved her, had loved her, and neither was completely comfortable with the other. Leo broke the standoff and looked out the window swallowing hard and willing his emotions to get in check. Why... why don't we start with when we first met you? Byer said. Sure. Whatever, Leo said, as he rubbed his hands together. I remember I didn't trust her completely, but I somehow felt the need to save face in front of Scully, Leo explained, as they looked through Diana Fowley's file. I think she broke your heart when she left for Europe, Byers said softly. Yeah, she did, Leo explained, which is why I did what any man with a broken heart does. I slept my way through the secretarial pool at the bureau. I do remember that, Frohickey said with envy. I was just a little jealous. Just a little? Leo said with a raised eyebrow. Anyways, it didn't really help me much, but when she came back... I remember the way Scully lit into you that one night, Langley said with a smirk. She tore you a new one. And... and I knew she was right, but part of me didn't want to believe that someone I once loved 
Someone I once thought I'd spend the rest of my life with could do that to me. I guess I had been screwed so many times, I thought that the odds had to be in my favor for a good turn, Leo explained. You really hurt Scully, man, Frohickey said. I called her on her cell just afterwards, and... and I could hear that she'd been crying in her voice. Leo shook his head and looked down at the file that lay open in front of him. I know I hurt her, and I tried to make it up to her, but... but the work always took over. It always did. Walter said with some edge. What are you trying to say? Leo asked, a challenge in his voice. I'm saying, Mo, Leo, that she gave up a lot for you, and instead of appreciating it, you just asked for more. And she, she always gave more, and it hurt her in the end. It changed her. You don't think I know that? Leo snapped as he stood from his spot. Walter stood as well, both men toe-to-toe. Hey, Let's back away, boys, Frohickey said, as he came in between them. I'm going to fish, Leo snapped, as he turned toward the door. All eyes watched him walk out of the cabin and slam the door behind him. Walter found him downriver a little, with waders on, standing in the late afternoon sun. He seemed contemplative and surly. Leo, Walter called from the edge of the river. Catch much? A few brown trout. Leo called back, unmoving from his position. For supper? Walter asked, not sure how to start the conversation he needed to. You're not out here to talk about fish, Leo said, as he looked over at the man standing awkwardly on the shore. No, no, I'm not, but... But we can't yell like this back and forth, Walter said. Leo pulled in his empty line and walked towards the bank of the river. He sat down heavily next to his cooler and reached in to grab a fish. What are you doing? Walter asked, as he sat down on the grass nearby. I haven't gutted and gilled the last three, Leo said, by way of explanation. Oh, Walter said, as he watched Leo expertly handle and clean the fish. Silence pervaded their space for a while as Walter thought of how to start this conversation, and Leo thought of how to get out of it. It wasn't like this in the beginning, Walter began. Leo looked up at him and studied his face for a minute. But you wanted it to be, Leo said succinctly. Walter looked down at the ground and admitted the truth. Yes, yes, I did. So you were friends, at first? Leo asked, his eyes intent on what he was doing to the fish. Yes, Walter said. She... She worked tirelessly looking for you for a long time. She... she wasn't sleeping well or eating properly. She was a mess after... after you were taken. Leo just nodded his head. He hated to hear what his abduction had done to her. She thought she saw you everywhere, he explained. She made scenes in grocery stores, video stores, the library. It was never you. Leo closed his eyes, the reality of her pain hitting him quite hard. She gave up the X-Files? he asked. Yeah, she... she needed to. It was too much, looking for you and trying to run the division. So she chose me over the files? Yeah, he said, as he looked at the near mountains. I was... I was really worried about her for a long time. I worried she might... do something. Leo looked sharply up at him. The idea that Scully could kill herself was foreign to him in every way. She didn't, 
but it still wasn't good for a long time, Walter said. She found other reasons to continue forward. You? Leo asked. No. Her work, Walter lied. Her faith that she'd find you one day. Her family. So I managed to even fuck her up after I disappeared. Isn't that what you're saying? Leo asked, angry. Walter shook his head. I just thought you should know that it it wasn't easy for her to get involved with me. Leo worried his lower lip and stared out over the river, the fish in his hand forgotten for the moment. How long? Leo choked out. About two years, Walter answered honestly. And you're getting married? Leo asked, as he tried to quell his emotions. In a few weeks. At least, I think so, Walter said, unsure. You love her? Leo asked, as he looked at Walter. Walter looked up at him and smiled. I do. Is she... is she happy? Leo asked, as tears filled his eyes. Yes. Yes, she is, Walter said with a nod. Leo nodded his head, both happy and unhappy at the same time. We have a nice life together, Walter said, careful to not include Will. We go out, we visit her family, we... You give her what I never could, Leo admitted. Walter said nothing in reply. Both men sat and looked out on the beautiful landscape before them. There was nothing else to say. We better get back before these fish spoil, Leo said, as he rose from his spot. I'll do everything to make her happy, Walter said, a promise to the man who also loved her. I know, Leo said sadly. I just feel... cheated. I know, Walter replied, as he turned to walk back to the cabin. Over the next three days, the gunman and Walter went over file after file with Leo. Some he had better memories of than others. Some cases and people he didn't recall at all. His memory was crystal clear for some things, and completely absent for others. Leo grew more and more frustrated by the process and his inability to recall everything. Damn it! Leo snapped as Byers put another file in the no-memory pile they had developed over the last few days. I'm surprised you remember everything you do, Langley said. With your brain fried by the aliens and all? Frohickey whacked him in the arm. Maybe we should take a break, Byers said, the voice of reason. We can stay in Denver for a few days, Langley can get his internet fix, and then we can all come back here and... No, I want to push through, Leo said, determined as he picked up another file. I think John has a point, Walter said quietly. We've been here for days and... You guys can go, Leo said. You've been nice enough to stay out here with me this long. I can review the files myself, and... Mole. Leo. I meant we all should take a break, Byers said, as he placed a hand on the file in Leo's possession. Leo looked around the room at his friends and knew they were right. He just didn't want to admit it yet. Amy would be worried sick about him, and Scully was still MIA in Washington. Why is Scully in Washington? Leo asked out of the blue. She had some classes she had to teach, Walter lied, as he straightened the files on the table. Is she avoiding me? Leo asked. No, she wanted to stay, but... Walter started. Is she coming back? Leo asked. 
I think any day now, but with no cell reception, I haven't... Leo leaned back in his chair and rubbed his eyes. Okay, let's go back. Thanks, Zelda, Langley said as he stood up quickly. Everyone packed up their stuff in record time and headed for the door. Leo made his way to Keystone, with Walter and the gunman following close behind in their car. When they got into town, he pulled off into a gas station. You go ahead to your hotel, Leo said with a smile. I'll talk to Amy, and maybe we can regroup in a couple of days? Sure, Walter said to him. They broke off down the street. Leo started to fill his gas tank when his phone rang. Leo, it's Dana Scully, she said softly. I've been trying to get a hold of you and the others, but... You just got back from my cabin, he said, as he smiled into the phone. You still in Washington? No. No, I'm in Keystone, and... Scully, we need to talk, he said softly. He heard her take in a quick breath. Using her last name had caught her off guard. Okay, she said quietly. Can you come up to my cabin with me? He asked. I... I don't think that's such a good... We have things we need to talk about, he said quietly. I... I have things I need to say, and... And... I can't. I'm... She started. I know. I also know that I need to see you, Leo said softly, his voice pleading. I need this, Scully. Please. Silence greeted him on the other side of the phone. Scully? Okay. She swallowed hard. Okay, he nodded, knowing how hard that choice had been for her. What are you... I'll think of something, she said with trepidation. Where's this cabin? He gave her directions and then went by his house to leave a note for Amy. He told her he was going to be gone for a few more days and he'd see her when he got back. Leo had never lied to Amy before, but he somehow knew that this lie was necessary if he was going to go on with the rest of his life. He wasn't sure what was going to happen with Scully at the cabin, but he knew that this was the last secret they would have together. Dana Scully pulled into the remote and rustic cabin at dusk. She recognized his truck in the driveway and felt confident that she was in the right place. Leo walked from the house toward her car as she reached in the back seat to get the box of mementos she had brought with her. She felt guilty about lying to Walter, but part of her knew that this was coming, that one day they would have to talk about all the things she had been avoiding. You made it, he smiled at her. I was starting to worry as the sun went down. I had to make some arrangements in Denver, she said cryptically. He nodded, knowing they both had lied to be here. It's just us? she asked. Pretty sure it was, but wanting to confirm. Yeah, he said, as he put his hands in his jean pockets and looked at the box in her hands. You brought some stuff you want me to look at? Yeah, she said, looking down at the items in the box. I have to tell you some things, Leo, and... Call me by my name, he said in a velvety voice. Her eyes locked on his, and she knew exactly what he meant. You remember everything, don't you, Mulder? She asked expectantly. He leaned in and kissed her softly, the box squishing between their bodies. I do. She returned his kiss briefly, but then dropped her forehead to his chest, shaking it in the negative. You need to hear some things I have to say. Okay, he said in almost a whisper as he rubbed his hands up and down her arms. Come on inside, Scully. She felt his arm go to the small of her back as she gripped the box against her body.
he led her into the small cabin, and they were suddenly bathed in a soft yellow glow. Do you want something to drink? I have. Water would be great, she said as she licked her lips. She could still taste him there, and she wanted that feeling to never end. He walked to the kitchen and dispensed a glass of water from the water jug as she sat on the couch and looked at the DVD player in front of her. She was glad she had the tape transferred. There wasn't a VCR in sight. Do you come up here a lot? she asked, trying to break the tension. As often as I can, he said, as he walked over and sat beside her on the couch. I fly fish. You fish? she asked, surprised. I do, he smiled over at her. I'm pretty good at it, too. They both sat silently for a few minutes. She was still trying to come to terms with what she needed to share, and he was wondering if he'd fucked everything up by kissing her. Scully, I shouldn't have kissed you, he began. It's just, it's been almost eight years and I, I can't stop thinking about you. My memory is back, and I remember almost everything about the X-Files, and you, and, and us. I know, she said softly. He had been paramount in her thoughts as well. But there's someone I need to tell you about. I know you're engaged to Skinner, he said, as he swallowed hard. You moved on, and... No, I need to tell you about our son, she said softly. Our... our son? he stammered. His name is Will, and he's seven years old, she said, as she looked at his reaction. I was... I was pregnant when you went missing. You didn't tell me, he said, as he shook his head, partly unsure he had heard her correctly. I didn't know, she said softly. I didn't know until that night. Mulder, I found out you were missing, and I was having your baby, in the span of three hours. We... we have a son? he asked, still not sure she had said this to him. Do you want to see him? she asked, as a small smile crept across her face. He nodded mutely, unable to form words. She took out a picture of Will from his seventh birthday party a few weeks ago and handed it to him. He held it and gazed at the photo for a long time before he choked out the words, My son. Will looked just like Mulder. The only scully trait he seemed to have, physically, was her beautiful blue eyes. The rest of him looked like a younger version of Mulder. Our son, she said as she leaned her head on his shoulder and looked down at the picture as well. He wrapped his arm around her and began to cry. Dana Scully had spent the next few hours telling Mulder about his son and sharing pictures and anecdotes about Will. She had explained that Will knew about him and wanted to meet him. If Mulder had his way, they would have left at midnight and flown directly to D.C. to wake Will up. She had told him how involved Walter had been in Will's life from the beginning how his participation in their life started out due to guilt, but soon developed into a genuine affection for their son. I'm glad he had him, Mulder said, as he nodded his head. I can't, I can't think of a better man to influence. Mulder paused and dropped his head into his hands. Mulder? she asked, as she pulled one hand away from his face and attempted to look at him. When it all came back to me, Scully, I knew I fucked up any chance you and I had. I knew I had missed out on so much of your life, but now? Now it comforts me, but makes me feel sick at the same time. What do you mean? She whispered. I mean, 
he said, meeting her gaze. I mean, I'm happy you had Will. I'm happy you weren't alone. But the fact that I'm a stranger to my own son? You didn't choose this, Mulder, she said softly, as she held his hand. I... I didn't choose this. He choked back a soft sob as he saw the tears well in her eyes. I only wanted you back. I would have given almost anything to have you back, she said, as tears streamed down her face. But... but then I had to go on. I had to, for Will's sake as much as my own. I know, he said, as tears started to escape his eyes. I know that, but... but I just wish that years ago... I wish all of this. Scully, I would have never chosen to be without you. She pulled him into a fierce hug and felt him hold her tightly, his grip almost suffocating. She sniffled and pulled back from him. I... I brought something else you might want to see. He reluctantly let go of her frame and watched her as she got up and grabbed a DVD from the box of stuff she had gone through with him. She turned on the power and got the disc started. He wrapped an arm around her back as she sat back down next to him. They both watched the screen expectantly. Suddenly, a younger Scully was on the screen. She was sitting on Mulder's old couch, wearing a pale pink sweater and looking uncomfortable. Mulder, you're not going to hand this over to Frohickey, are you? She asked with a smirk. Why would I do that? He chuckled from behind the camera. I don't know. I'm just getting visions of Frohickey editing this tape so it looks like I say I believe in aliens or that I'm a spokeswoman for the ab roller. Now that's an idea, Mulder chuckled. See, already you're thinking of the possibilities available to us with this new equipment. Get your mind out of the gutter, she said with a smirk. That's asking the impossible when you're around, he said seductively from behind the camera. This tape is being destroyed, right? she asked. Erased, but yeah he agreed, as he played with the focus. I lied, Mulder admitted to Scully, as she looked at him in the dim light of the cabin. I was going to keep it from the start. I wanted something I could watch when you weren't around. I knew it, she said honestly. I knew you better than you thought. So accounting was okay with this expense? Scully asked, as she tucked some hair behind her ear. Accounting would rather we drew sketches because pencils and paper are cheap, Mulder said, as the camera moved around. They must have seen some of my early Blondie renderings. Scully sat in front of the camera, uncomfortable. So, are you done now? Tell me a story, he said, as the camera focused in closely on her face. What? she asked, surprised. I need to get the sound right, he explained. I need you to talk for a bit so I can play with it. Mulder, really? she asked, annoyed. Scully, please, he asked. Fine. She crossed and uncrossed her arms over her knees, obviously trying to think of something to say. Once upon a time, there was a princess who was promised dinner and a movie tonight. Scully, he warned. You wanted a story, Mulder, so let me tell it, Scully snapped at him good-naturedly. Fine, he acquiesced. She had had a very long week filled with conspiracies, family obligations, and paperwork. She needed a nice night out. A knight came along on Friday afternoon and, seeing the dark circles under her eyes, promised her a relaxing evening. At least I get to be a knight, he mumbled as the sound got louder. You didn't have dark circles, Mulder said to her as he patted her knee. Look at you. You're radiant. Still are. Scully smiled meekly at him. She always seemed to feel worse than she looked. Who says it's you? 
she asked with a raised eyebrow. Maybe I have a hot date later tonight. Scully, you are going to be asleep in about three hours, he said softly. If you have a hot date with someone, I dare him to keep you up later than that. Given something enticing, I can stay awake longer, she said with a smirk and a raise of an eyebrow. Mulder cleared his throat behind the camera and the focus blurred momentarily before he corrected it. But without sustenance and a chick flick, I don't think I'll have the willpower, she teased. Now it's a chick flick, he groaned. The camera equipment raised the stakes, she said with a smile. Are we done now? I guess if I want to keep you awake past eleven, he groaned. You could just drop me off at my apartment after the movie, she teased. I knew you were kidding, he said softly into her ear as he leaned into her on the couch. Yeah, I was, she smiled back. I had no intention of leaving your bed for most of the weekend. Scully, he said in mock-shocked horror. I didn't, did I? she asked with a raised eyebrow. He smiled back at her, the memory of that weekend spent making love to her still fresh. The dates match, Mulder, she said softly. William was conceived that weekend. He looked at her in amazement. They had documented proof of the weekend their son was created. No, you promised me the weekend, he said as the volume went up and down. I get breakfasts and everything else until Monday morning. I think I said Sunday night, she said with a hint of mischievousness. You said Monday, he said definitively. I even went grocery shopping for you. Be still my heart, you romantic, she said sarcastically. Mulder then entered the frame and attacked her on the couch, his large body pushing hers down into the cushions. Her giggles filled the room. He kissed her soundly on the lips and moved his hands up her sides. Mulder, she said as she pulled back and swatted at him. We're not making one of those tapes. He dropped his head to her forehead and smiled down at her. I'll work on you. She smiled up at him and disengaged herself from him, walking behind the camera. He sat up on the couch and straightened his shirt, watching her behind the camera. Tell me a story, she said softly from behind the camera. Scully? he asked, confused. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, she retorted. Fine, he acquiesced. Once upon a time, there was a very lonely and lost man. He worked like a dog, behaved like an ass, and generally pissed everyone off. Do I know anyone like that? she asked sarcastically. Let me finish, he said, as he looked directly at the camera. And then this headstrong, beautiful woman came along and made him question everything about his life. She was the bravest person he had ever met, but also the kindest. He, he loved her for a very long time. But he didn't think she could ever love someone as broken as him. Older, she sighed from behind the camera. But then something amazing happened. She kissed him one night. She told him she felt the same way. She said that life with him was the only thing that made sense to her, and that she couldn't go another day pretending she didn't feel that way. They hunted aliens together, and despite the fact that she stole the covers, they lived happily ever after. She joined him on the couch in the frame. She kissed the side of his face. I do love you, she said softly to him, and you're not broken. Mulder kissed her passionately for quite some time before he stopped, picked up the remote, and looked directly at the camera as he clicked the power off. The screen went black. Scully could feel Mulder shift next to her. He was turning to look at her face more fully. She could feel her cheeks redden and her heart race. Her mind raged a war as he watched her. 
She was engaged to Walt. Will loved him, and they had a life together. A life that she couldn't screw up. He had a life with Amy, a nice woman who deserved some happiness after everything that had happened to her. He loved Amy, and she loved Walt. But she loved him, and she wanted him. There was no denying that. She knew he felt the same way, but for some reason, his decision seemed easier. Maybe her son's happiness weighed more heavily on her. She turned her head to face him and explain all the reasons why they couldn't do this. But when she did, their noses grazed each other. She let out the breath she was holding, and he leaned in and softly kissed her lips. The kiss was tentative, as if he was unsure it was welcome. It was a lot like their first kiss on New Year's Eve. Suddenly, she was flooded with memories of this man. His tenacity, his bravery, his keen intellect. Then, other memories came to her. His soft caress, his mouth on her breast, his face as he came inside of her. Her heart raced, her palms began to sweat, and she was overcome with the sensation that she needed to say goodbye. He pulled back from the kiss and looked at her. His hands came up to caress her soft cheeks as he held her face in his hands. She looked deeply into his eyes and wrestled with her decision. If she didn't have this time with him, she would spend the rest of her life longing for this, for some type of closure. She leaned in and kissed him softly on each cheek. He closed his eyes, thinking she had decided to stop the forward motion of this act. His head dropped slightly, and she leaned under him and kissed his lips, awkwardly, but with intent. He reacted quite surprised to her advance and kissed her back, unsure if she wanted to continue. He stopped their kissing and looked at her closely, their silent communication as adept now as it was many years ago. She wanted this, as badly as he did. It would never happen again. Nothing in their lives would change. This was goodbye. Mulder swallowed hard, knowing the ramifications of this act and his agreement to it. She would be married in July. He would continue with Amy in Colorado. They would be friends, and hopefully, Will would want him in his life. This night was just for them, but they could take no more. I love you, he said softly. A lone tear rolled down her left cheek, and it broke his heart. I love you too, she whispered. He leaned in and kissed her softly on the lips. She returned the affection and felt her body being pulled closer and closer to him as his arm around her waist inched her forward. Finally, crushed against him, she was overcome with a million sensations at one time. He worked his way down her neck, and she tilted her head back to allow him greater access. Low but distinct moans escaped his lips as he ran a hand up her pant-covered leg and pulled at her inner thigh with his hand. She gasped at the sensation of him knowing just where to touch her. His mouth traveled back up to her face, and their lips locked and tongues dueled for a long time while clothing started to slowly fall away. First, his worn plaid shirt was slid off his chest, revealing a hairier surface than last time she had seen it. She combed her hands through the coarse hair and gently scratched the skin underneath as he moaned and groaned next to her. Then her shirt was yanked over her head and her bra undone and thrown to the side. Her breasts had taken on a slightly different shape over the years, but he still relished in them as he leaned down and captured one in his mouth as he teased the other with his hand. Oh, she moaned softly as he sucked and pulled at her nipple. He had always spent a lot of time on her breasts in the past, 
She lay back against the armrest of the couch as he leaned his tall, half-naked body over hers and continued to tease and taunt her breasts for a long time while her lower body squirmed and her breathing grew rapid. She felt his coarse chest hairs rubbing against her stomach as he sucked her breasts hard and she ran her hands through his thick head of hair. He reached between them and started to undo her pants and slide them off her legs. She felt like jello and barely had the ability to raise her hips off the couch as he pulled at them and then threw them to the floor with her panties in tow. Her body began to tingle as he kissed his way down her naked frame. He learned the new landscape of a body like an explorer with an old map. He kissed and caressed each new curve, each soft patch of skin, with both remembrance and awe. Her geography may have changed slightly over the years, but she was still as beautiful as she had always been. He reached for his own pants and slid them from his legs, his straining erection happy for the freedom. Now, completely naked, he kissed his way. He took the time to smell her and relish in this soft place that had once only been his. He ran his nose through her curls and nipped at the flesh that lay just beneath it as she mewed softly above him. He took his tongue and gingerly parted her folds, one at a time, sucking them with his lips as she took a deep, strained breath. He darted his tongue into her and took some time to lap up her juices, breathe in her aroma, and massage her inner thighs before getting down to business. She squirmed as he licked and sucked at her folds, darting his tongue and fingers into her inner walls, feeling her palpitate around him as he caused her to moan his name and clench onto his hair, his arms, his back. He burrowed his tongue further into her. She came with such force that she sat up partially and yelled, Ah! A smile made its way across his face as he lifted his head and watched her strain, then soften, before she fell back down onto her back. I knew I still had it, he mumbled, as he pulled himself gingerly from between her thighs and offered her a hand to get up from the couch. She relented and stood up naked against him, her body still quivering from her release. I need more room, he groaned, as he guided her to a bedroom in the cabin and they stretched out on the bed. Oh my god, Mulder, she sighed, as she grasped his face with her hands and kissed him sloppily, tasting herself on his lips. I missed you, he said wickedly, as he positioned himself above her and slowly maneuvered himself inside of her. God, I missed you, she sighed, as tears formed in her eyes. None of that, he said, as he pushed himself fully inside her. Nothing else exists but you and me tonight. She swallowed hard and nodded her head as he started to rock inside of her. She raised her legs up and wrapped them around his torso as she felt his body fall into a familiar rhythm. They rocked against each other as she sucked on his nipple and he kneaded her breast. He was close to coming, she could tell. His face softened and his eyes glazed over as his body picked up the pace and he raised her ass partially up off the bed. She strained to keep up with his frenetic pace, but found herself amazed at the sheer beauty of the man above her as he released himself into her and his orgasm washed over his entire body. I... I love you so much, he half-panted, half-cried, as he clumsily fell down on her and held her tight. Shh, she said softly as she patted his head. She swore she could feel a few tears, not sweat, falling onto her shoulder as they both drifted off to sleep. As the sun started to creep its way across the horizon, 
She woke to find Mulder sleeping soundly behind her, his arm gripping her tightly around her waist. They had made love several times throughout the night, each filled with deep-seated emotion and a rawness that came with knowing this would never happen again. She had relished the feeling of his body around hers and inside hers again and again and made certain to tell him that. He told her he loved her more that night than he ever had while they were together as if he had to get the words out there enough to last a lifetime. And what they had shared that night had to last a lifetime. Her eyes started to adjust, and reality hit her. Mulder wasn't hers anymore, and she wasn't his. Despite the circumstances, they had gone on and learned to love others, people that were important to them. She glanced around the sparsely furnished room and realized with certainty that this was his guest room, that... Despite everything that had happened last night, he had the good sense to not bring her to the bed he shared with Amy. She felt him stir behind her and lift his head to look down at her. I can feel you thinking, he said, as he placed a sloppy kiss on her cheek. Good morning, she said, as she turned, avoiding the subject of her thoughts as she kissed his lips softly. Good morning, he smiled back at her lazily as his hand moved up to cup her breast. Mulder. I... she started. I know we can't change the way things are, he croaked softly behind her. And this... this goes no further. It can't, she said softly in her sleepy haze. She felt him nod against her back. I'd... I'd like to see Will, he said, making his interest in his son's life known. Spend time with him. Of course, she affirmed. You're his father, and Mulder, if there was any way... I know, he sighed, as his hand left her breast, and he rolled out of bed. She rolled onto her back and pulled the sheet up to cover her breasts, suddenly, painfully shy. The air had shifted around them suddenly. The past and the present had collided in this room, and neither of them knew what to do about it. They were quiet for a while before he broke the silence. I make a mean flapjack, he said, as he sat on the edge of the bed naked his feet on the floor, and the reality of what they had done hitting him. You cook? she asked, as she touched his bare back. Her molder had not. Yeah, yeah, I do, he said quietly. Have you learned to cook? With Will and all? I took some classes when he was a baby, she explained as she wrapped the sheet around herself. I'm still better at ordering in, but Walt. She swallowed hard. She didn't want to talk about the other man she loved as she lay naked in Mulder's bed. A tear escaped the corner of her eye. What had she done? Are you happy? she asked softly. I was, he sighed, as his head fell to his chest. Can you be happy again? she asked, sitting up slightly, hoping he wouldn't want more from her, knowing she couldn't give it. I think I can be a different kind of happy, he said, as he played with his hands. She seems really... Scully began. Can we... He interrupted with his hand raised, indicating she should stop. Can we not talk about her while we're like this? I'm sorry, she said, as she swallowed hard, and her hand fell from his back. In the light of day, the ramifications of what they had done seemed so much more apparent. Neither of them spoke for a long time. An uncomfortable silence one that had never been present in their relationship before, hugged the room. I don't know what I'm going to, he began as he reached for his boxers on the floor. 
She sighed heavily behind him. Last night had seemed like the only, and best thing to do, but today it seemed like they had made possibly the worst choice for everyone except themselves. Mulder, maybe we shouldn't have... She began. Don't. Don't say that, Scully, he stammered, as he twisted to look at her. I wouldn't give up last night, and neither would you. But now, she said softly. But nothing, he snapped, as he stood and faced her as she kneeled on the edge of the bed. I was robbed. I had you. I... I had a son. And I was... You were here, she said, as she held his hands in hers. You were happy, and you had love. And... I lost eight years. You had eight years. Just not... Just not the ones you expected, she said softly, as she started to draw him toward her. What... What do we do, Scully? He asked, as his eyes filled with tears. She pulled him toward her and wrapped her arms around his body. He gripped her tightly as they both started to sob. Dana Scully walked out of the drugstore in Keystone, hoping the extra-strength Advil would dull the throb of guilt in her head. She had sent Walter back to D.C. yesterday to help with the care of Will, the whole time reassuring him she'd be fine. Then she met Mulder at his cabin. After last night at the cabin, she and Mulder ate breakfast both of them trying desperately to hold on to this last bit of time they would have with each other. The need to be with each other was coupled with the guilt of what they had done. Both of them were wrestling with the ethics behind their decision to spend one last night together. They also had made some tough decisions, ones that she knew were right, but that still caused her heart to break. Just as she reached for the handle to her door, she heard a woman come up beside her. You want him back, don't you? She said sadly. Scully looked up to see Amy standing next to her on the road, tears streaming down her face, her eyes reddened with crying. She took a deep breath. She and Mulder had not discussed whether they were going to tell their significant others about what had happened. Mulder obviously had told Amy. Amy, I'm sorry, I... Scully stammered. She hadn't thought about what she would say to Mulder's girlfriend how she could possibly apologize for what she, they, had done. You can give him everything, Amy said as she wiped her dripping nose. He told me about Will. Scully's eyes widened. She wasn't sure how much Amy knew. Our son, Scully said softly. The one I can't give him, she sniffled. Amy, I, I didn't know you were trying. I can't have a baby, she snapped. Heads all turned in their direction. It seemed as if the whole world paused for just a moment. What? Scully asked. I know, I know part of him jumped for joy when he found out about your son. About his son, she hiccuped. Amy, can we talk? Scully asked as she scanned the street. Amy nodded her head. Scully walked her over to a nearby park and directed them toward a bench. She suddenly felt incredibly guilty for what she had done to this woman who, yesterday, had been an afterthought. Mul, Leo told you about Will? She asked as they sat down. He told me he remembers everything, she said, as she raised her eyes to meet Scully's. He remembers his sister, his life, his job, you? Scully swallowed hard. He loves you, Amy said softly. 
part of him always will. But he loves you now, Scully said quietly. Amy, the life you and Leo have is unlike any he would have had with me. The life he wasn't supposed to have, Amy said, as new tears made their way down her face. Did he say that? Scully asked, surprised. No, she said as she blew her nose. He... he said nothing is going to ch change, but how can it not? He has a son. He has you. He doesn't have me, Scully reassured her as she raised her hand to show her engagement ring. I'm getting married at the start of July. Scully swallowed hard. After what she had done last night, she wasn't sure she deserved the marriage she was talking about so freely with Amy. Why had she done this to Walt? She loved him. And not easy, comfortable love. Passionate, butterflies when he looks at her love. A type of love she once had with Mulder. Amy knitted her eyebrows. You love him. I can see it. I... I do, but... but not, Scully stammered. Part of me will always love Mulder. But I am in love with Walter Skinner, the man I'm marrying. Dana hoped, at least. She was wrestling with her need to come clean to Walt, and the need to protect him from the hurt this would cause. Telling him would relieve her own conscience, but not telling him would keep his heart intact. The FBI guy who came to the house to... Yeah, Scully nodded. He and I have been together for a while. He makes me very happy, and he's the only father my son has ever known. Scully had to look away at the mention of her son and Walt. He was what had drawn her to speak with Mulder last night, and he was the one who could get irrevocably hurt by her selfish act. Amy wiped her eyes, slightly less upset by the information that had just been shared. Amy, I wouldn't wish this situation on anyone, Scully began. But we're in it, and we have to figure out a way to deal with it. Mulder is Will's dad, and nothing will change that fact, but... But we... We can determine the rest for ourselves. He's packing to go see Will right now, Amy said quietly. He wants me to come too. I'd like that, Scully said with a smile and watery eyes. I want Will to know you too. I still can't believe, Amy said, staring off into space. I know, Scully sighed. But Amy, if this had to happen to Mulder, there's not a better person or a better life I could have wished for him. A stray tear fell down Scully's cheek. I keep thinking, Amy said softly. If Evan came back, if he hadn't have died, what would I do in your shoes? Scully just sat silently, hoping Amy wouldn't kill her for what she had done in that same circumstance, how she and Mulder had betrayed her. Amy's eyes caught Scully's, and Scully saw a knowing glance. Scully broke eye contact and looked at the package of Advil still in her hand, saddened by what she had done to this woman's life, this woman whose only crime was to love Leo unconditionally. They sat in silence for a while, each woman unsure of what to say next. Scully shuffled her way through the herd of disembarking passengers at Dulles. She had managed to get a flight to D.C. a couple of hours before Leo and Amy so she could be there to help her son deal with this newly discovered father. She also wanted to avoid an awkward plane ride with the couple after she and Amy had talked in the park. Mom! 
Will yelled as he ran towards her, his cast held to the side. Will! She smiled down at him as he smacked into her like he hadn't seen her in weeks. Watch out, that cast is a weapon, Walt said as he took her bag from her. Thanks, she said, avoiding his eyes as he kissed her on the cheek. Walt said he had to stick around to pick up Leo, but you and I can head home. Walt, you don't want to come? she asked, looking at him for the first time. No, I've got some paperwork I need to get caught up on, and with traffic, he said, as he looked around the airport at nothing in particular. Scully swallowed hard. Somehow he knew, and he was really hurt. I'd really like you to come home, so we can talk, she said softly, trying to coax him. I can't, Dana, he said, as he straightened his shoulders. She nodded silently, wanting to burst into tears. She didn't for the sake of her son. Okay, so we'll see you... we'll see you at the house? she asked. Yeah, once I pick him up, he said softly. Can we go already? Will sighed, his attention span at its limit. Yeah, I'll walk you to your car, Walt said, as his demeanor changed to light and airy, before Will takes out anyone else with his cast. Dana Scully trailed behind the two men in her life, watching their ease with each other, and wondered if she had just screwed up one of the best things that had ever happened to her. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.